Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. It's an exciting time to be in mapping. GIS has never been so relevant and used in so many industries. Today, I'm joined by three of my colleagues for episode 20 of Location Matters, and we're going to talk today about why did these people choose this industry? Why mapping? Today, I'm joined by Director Richard Bentley, GIS Analyst Nick Chai, and GIS Analyst Dion Fleming. So I'm going to start with you, Richard. You've been in this game a long time. Why did you choose it? Yes, I think it chose me, actually. Um, Originally, way back when uh, I applied for some jobs, I was lucky to get a uh, a cadet cartographer's position. So this was before GIS. So we're talking croquils, scribe sheets, tack, that sort of stuff. So I've seen the industry sort of evolve, I suppose, from, you know, map-based hard copy into a digital era. Um, specifically cadaster to start with, you know, so interest in land. And we were one of the first agencies back in little old Tasmania to uh, build, a, uh, I suppose, a, a register of land interest uh, as, a, as a digital cadaster. I remember going to Osri 1. There were 12 people there and only two uh, two licences of uh, ARC Info in Australia. RMS in New South Wales had one and the Tasmanian Forestry Commission had the other. So, yeah, you could say I fell into it. <laughs> so, Nick, why did you choose uh, this industry? Uh, I think like with most people um, coming out of high school, you don't really know much about GIS really so um, I came out of high school and decided to go do a marine science degree try to um, save the world Um, and then I realized there wasn't really a lot of work in marine science but one of my university um, units so my final year project was to uh, digitize uh, and calculate on that digitization the amount of impact of boat moorings um, that were having uh, on the seagrass bed- beds around uh, Thompson Bay and uh, Rotnest. And uh, I spent about three months working at Rotnest, um, uh, digitising those areas, um, using ArcGIS to do it. So um, that's sort of where my introduction to GIS came from. Um, and uh, coming out of university, I started working um, at an aquarium for a little while. Uh, I was training to be a SEAL trainer, and eventually the uh, <laughs> the uh, seal enclosure was a little bit too small for the seals. So um, we had to move them away. And as when that happened, my ambitions of becoming a seal trainer kind of fell through. And so I went out looking for uh, a new job. And um, GIS uh, seemed like a really cool way to, um, to move my career to. So... Why is it that we only learn about this when we're doing a recording? That's the most <laughs> weird and interesting thing about you, Nick. I, th- I would have I thought think... that was just a natural transition to go from SEAL trainer to yeah. GIS analyst. I think that's where most people come from, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dan? You've had a more direct path straight into GIS, uh, say, from high school to university. What what made you choose this this industry? Yeah, I, I sure did. Um, I suppose a little different to Nick. I was lucky enough to 
to be aware of GIS before uh, leaving high school. Um, so uh, one of one of the careers teachers actually mentioned it to me uh, very early on in year 12. Um, and so I sort of thought it, it meets my, it sort of blended my two passions of, of mapping and computing. Um, so I, I always loved geography. I loved the mapping uh, sort of component of that. Um, and even since since I was a kid, I always thought maps were were very powerful, and I always always understood um, them very easily. Um, so then, yeah, combining that with with other passions like computing and technologies, um, yeah, it sort of it, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, so then I, I went straight into a GIS uh, bachelor's degree, um, and yeah, have graduated and now working at NGIS. So it was very direct, um, but yeah, I, I love the industry and I love uh, I suppose what. Uh, what what GIS can do? What what can GIS do? Oh, there's there's so much. Um, I mean, yeah, just simply producing producing high quality maps um, and and managing the data that sits behind those um, is is valuable and and important. Um, and then also analyzing things, so understanding from a spatial sense, uh, understanding sort of patterns and trends. Uh, hotspots, clusters, all those sorts of things, um, almost like a, a Microsoft Excel, but for, for location. What are some of the you know practical impacts? So Dion's talked about some pretty technical things there. What are the practical impacts, Richard, for GIS? Um, I suppose that that takes us uh, to like the cool projects that we've worked on, um, and some of the impacts of those things. Uh, you know, I remember working in East Timor after the uh, East Timorese uprising, and the UN were sent in to to quell everything. And we work with uh, agricultural sustainability, so we were trying to figure out how the land could support the population that was there after the, the Indonesians, um, you know, drove out all of the livestock uh, and all of the, the chickens and any anything that was edible was driven across the border into West Timor. Um, and so taking into account, you know, slope, um, sun angles, uh, stability, soil stability, you know, soil condition, all of those sorts of things, uh, we were able to sort of get a picture of, you know, where the East Timorese should, um, I suppose, focus focus their efforts in in developing an agricultural agriculturally sustainable community. That, I mean, that for me, that's that was an awesome uh, project to be involved in. When we got there, we didn't realise we were still in the designated war zone. Uh, there was some <laughs> fine print there, um, but all all great experiences. Um, so that's you know that's one of the projects that I think uh, was very cool. So that's a pretty impactful project. What about you, Nick? What's what's something you've worked on or seen that has had a huge impact that's really interesting? Um, so uh, over the last few years, I mean, I started out like um, most people, you sort of start out with learning ArcMap and just creating uh, static maps, and that was pretty cool. And then we slowly progressed up to digital maps, so more like Google Maps applications, web-based applications. And then... Um, What's really interesting these days is I've been starting work uh, with uh, 3D maps nowadays. So that started. So my first project in 3D was to take over from an old colleague uh, working for support for Google Earth Enterprise. So everyone knows what Google Earth is. Google Earth Enterprise was uh, now a, a, an open source project, but back then it was um, basically one of the only ways to share 3D um, uh, spatial information to a large audience. So Google Maps Enterprise allowed people to do that. And from there, uh, we progressed 
onto uh, a technology called Skyline uh, Terra Explorer, which sort of gives users uh, another 3D view of their spatial information. Um, and on top of what we were getting with Google Maps, we're, allowed, we're able now to do a lot more analysis on the 3D. So produce few sheds uh, very quickly, calculate uh, volumes, um, calculate uh, heights or surface uh, surface areas, and uh, ground ground surface. Uh, uh, so so the ground distance um, from one point to another, which sort of it sort of expands on GIS more to. Uh, better represent the real world, which I think that's what GIS is generally, um, that, that's the power that it gives us. It gives us the connection uh, from the virtual space to the, the real world so that we can do analysis on that um, data and make better decisions. Yeah. Um, one of the more uh, probably impactful ones that I've worked on uh, recently uh, was automating a, a workflow that uh, was being done at a government department here in WA. Um, and it was it was being done manually uh, and it was taking them sort of upwards of two weeks. Um, so one person sitting in front of the computer um, working in, in ArcMap um, and yeah, modifying some data. Um, and so we uh, we came in, uh, sort of talked to them about their business rules, how they cr- how they work through that process, um, and then we wrote it up in a Python script uh, and created a tool from it, uh, and then went out and installed that tool. And now running it on the on a pretty large data set, it runs in a couple of minutes. Um, so it wow. saved someone, yeah, each year they they do this process, and it took them upwards of two weeks. And now it's sort of something they can run in a couple of minutes. So that was probably yeah recently one of the, the most sort of impactful things wow okay so uh you two are both that's down on nick you're both trainers we have people come in here from all sorts of industries and they want to learn the tools but also a little bit about the theory of 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 gis so given that we have so many people coming in from different industries do you think that you know gis and mapping is becoming a mainstream skill um i think Map production as a mainstream skill uh, could be useful, but I think more people need to, or, I mean, it's just happening as a trend. More people use GIS information or consume GIS information in their decision-making process more so than um, having to actually get involved in the GIS work. I I think, you know, um, everybody uses GIS every day now. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, all location information, let's not call it GIS anymore, like all location intelligence is that next level as well. Everybody's using it. It's so endemic now. Um, When we first started, it was like we, no one knew where to put the GIS team. It It was part of admin and then it was a part of IT and then it was its own thing. And now it's just uh, it's just pervasive through a whole organisation. You'll see people with skills um, working in different pockets all over the business. Everybody is uh, is using it more and more so, and it's like Excel. You know, yeah. everyone had uh, lots of data, you know, had columns and columns of, uh, of information, you know, for accounting or for, you know, s- soil samples or whatever they were. And then we were using Excel and we couldn't actually see the relationships between them in a, in a physical sense. We could just see the X, Y coordinates. And when you put it onto a map, you start to see the actual relationship, like Nick was saying. You know, the location is that uh, the foreign key that joins all that information together. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think for so long, um, yeah, sort of people didn't realize that all of that data would also have a location sense. Um, and so now GIS is exposing a lot of that in a, in a spatial sense. Um, and yeah, people that have, I suppose, the ability to think spatially, uh, even if they're not in there really hands on creating maps or ed editing the data or anything like that, um, even, yeah, just understanding that you what, what's possible, I suppose, um, and that every every event or every whether it's an asset um, or some sort of object will have a location, um, and yeah, sort of by mapping that, by analysing that, you're sort of adding another dimension to the data on top of what you'd get in your normal yeah spreadsheet Excel sort of style. So I mean, one of the things that really makes it clear to me as a newcomer to the industry, you know, is immediately understood because everyone's got a phone, and every phone has. A few different ways of being located, you know, via Wi-Fi, via Bluetooth, via GPS, obviously. Um, so we've also got the Internet of Things. Most sensors that are being brought out will also have some sort of location attached to them. Either when they're installed, we know where they were, or they have a sensor in them which shows where they are. So location is only becoming more and more important. Richard, you do a lot of the hiring at NGIS. Do you think that mapping as a as a discipline and GIS is being well taught in universities? Look, I, I I was thinking about this earlier, and I I thought that it's the universities reflect what's happening in industry, but there's always a bit of a lag. So we've seen, you know, as I said before, you know, the GIS uh, team not having a, a home in business, and then big business uh, like the, the systems integrators, like the, the IBMs, the CSCs, the Tatas, the um, Capgeminis, they're starting to have capability inside their organisations. So like Nick, if, uh, in his his degree, Nick's, um, if, you know, if we had um, if we had video, you'd see that Richard's the oldest, Nick is uh, like in, in the middle, and Dion's the youngest. And you could see from the way that we got into the industry, you know, the industry had wasn't even around when I was uh, when I was a lad, uh, and when Nick was in uh, going through his degree, it was a, a component. And it was like an augmentation of the, here's a here's a cool bit of technology that you could use in in your uh, in I suppose, in your current job. And then there was uh, purpose-built GIS analysts like uh, Dion. Um, so, and I think you're seeing it swing around now because it's, like we were saying, GIS is so pervasive, you'll see GIS being absorbed into the, all the degree courses. There won't be, and it's been sort of, I suppose, uh, reflected in the numbers for the, you know, straight GIS course. I think there was... Was it four or five? It was just a handful last year at Curtin. Yeah. Um, you know, they've amalgamated uh, uh, their their school of, um, you know, it's it's quite a, a multifaceted school now. It's not just, um, you know, GIS and surveying. It's, it's much broader than that. So it's becoming mainstream. So we, we're seeing it go back, I think, to, you know, how, how Nick was working. We'll, we'll have specialists at work, um, you know, we'll have data scientists that... One of their tools is is a GIS of some description or some machine learning platform that will help um, you know them uh, complete the tasks that they've been allocated, but it, it won't be like Dion uh, super standalone. I don't think. What what do you guys think about that? Um, yeah, so I was just speaking with Dion. Apparently, uh, it, the the course all existing courses have now a unit that they can add on. Um, to 
as a GIS specific unit, which I think is really useful because uh, GIS is great as a single skill, but um, it becomes uh, really relevant when somebody with that context knowledge um, applies the skills of GIS. So if you were going to tell someone that to get into this industry or someone came to you and said, wow, that sounds really cool, where should I start? What would you tell them to do? Where would you direct them? Uh, I think it really depends where they want to where they want to get into, or what what's what sort of um, section of the of the industry they want to get into, because it's so broad, uh, and it can be applied to to so many other fields. Um, it really depends what you're interested in. So you could get you could go into software development or software engineering, and you could build uh, mapping applications, um, which would be more on the development side of things. Um, or you could get into like Richard was saying, something like data science, um, and then a- applying cartography and GIS as uh, as a skill within that industry. Um, but even aside from that, you you could just focus on if you've got a passion for if it's animals or plants, or and you want to understand and model those, uh, understand where they grow or do some research in that sort of field uh, you could study that and become a specialist in that and then work on GIS in that industry um, so I think it's about picking your passion and then and then applying GIS to it I think if you if you wanted to get a job in the industry you need to have a couple of skills to give you a bit of an edge uh, to put on your resume I'd go with uh, some ArcGIS training or if you can find an ArcGIS training course in your area Otherwise, you can go to the Esri website and just start on there just so you can have a little bit of um, map, uh, arc map experience. Then that, at least that way you can um, you know, digitize stuff and there's always demand for people to do that sort of work. Um, and then to give you a real edge, you want to pick up some Python skills because that's becoming really a lot more pervasive in the industry as a thing of demand. And if you can put ArcPy in your resume, which is a Python library, um, you'll, you'll look really good. Yeah, I think also um, getting to know the industry as well. So I'd say something like a, a GR rabble. Look out for those um, in your in the state or, or city that you're working in, and that just allows people to talk for five minutes on a project that they they might have been working on an interesting subject. It's not a, a software push or anything like that, and you just get to network with people you know like minded uh, location intelligence style people, and you can get a feel for the industry very quickly. And it's sort of, you know, whether uh, whether you'd fit that industry or the industry would fit you. All right, well, I'm going to put the links for some of those things that were just mentioned on the show notes. So have a look at them. Thank you very much all for joining me today on the podcast for Location Matters, episode 20. If you want to subscribe to more, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.